1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Hello, and welcome to BIPOC Credits, a podcast that interviews BIPOC crew members working in the B.C. film industry to share their experience and give insight into what to expect when entering their position. Today, however, we're trying something new. Instead of our usual affair, we're doing a special Whistler Film Festival episode. Alright, so a little bit of context here. My producer Nightingale and I have been developing a few projects and examining where we can take BIPOC credits. One of the ideas we had is the BC Film Industry calendar which we released last month, which can be found on our beacons or on our Instagram description you can find all the events festivals and grant applications available in bc right in your google calendar with an annual subscription we update that every week or whenever we find neat events that we want to go to another idea that got us really excited was a film festival episode that highlights some filmmakers and more importantly some great film tips that we learned at the different panels and events Aside from just screening films, many film festivals have really insightful panels and workshops that further a filmmaker's career, and we want to let you know about what's available. For our first episode, we had the opportunity to attend the Whistler Film Festival. For those of you who don't know, Whistler Film Festival has been going on for 23 years. It takes place in Whistler, BC, and it usually takes place around late November or early December. Rated one of... 50 film festivals worth the entry fee by Movie Maker Magazine, Whistler is a CSA qualifying festival that provides accelerator programs and content summits. This year, Whistler Film Festival screened 60 short films and 40 features, with cash awards going to Best Feature, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Editing, and even Best Documentary and Mountain Culture Award. Whistler has a section of their festival dedicated to mountain films, so if you like making films about mountain sports, this is your festival. Submissions open usually around March and closes around August. This is my third year at the festival, and what I love about it is that just by being there, you can get access to gatekeepers, distributors, and other really inspiring filmmakers. This year, I had the opportunity to meet the CEO of OutTV, and even have dinner with RVC, who was one of the sponsors of Whistler. Nightingale and I were able to check out a movie called With Love and the Major Oregon a Canadian fantasy drama film directed by Kim Albright. And luckily enough, we were able to interview Kim and one of the actresses on the film, Donna Benedicto, at Whistler. I really loved how Kim talked about her relationship working with actors and how Donna supplemented Kim's thoughts by expanding on how the actors helped Kim feel more comfortable and supported with her role. They even talk about their favorite thing that they learned while working on this project, which I found really inspiring. So, I'm gonna play the interview, and then after the interview I'm gonna talk about the Indigenous Filmmaker Fellowship, including some interviews with those participants, and then end the episode with some of our our favorite lessons from the panels that we were able to attend. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kim Albright and Donna Benedicto.
1: We're friends now, hanging out and just like messaging each other. Like we're just, we're in each other's bubble now. Bubble bubble. of friendship. Some Filipino bubble of friendship.
3: I'm Donna Benedicto and I play Casey.
1: And I'm Kim Albright and I'm the director of the film. So with Love in a Major Organ, it's based on a play of the same name uh, written by Julia Letterer, uh, and she also wrote the screenplay. And I met Julia back in 2017 um, when I think the play had been sort of out in various iterations um, for about five years or so. And I met her through Anna Maguire, who plays Annabelle in the film, the lead character. Um, Now, Anna splits her time between Canada and the UK. And I had just come back to Canada after about like 15 years or so in the UK. And I wanted to, I was starting afresh and I didn't really know any writers or I didn't have much of a sort of film network in Canada. So I asked Anna um, if there were any writers she thought I would get on with. So she linked me up with Julia, who at the time, um, I think they were working together on a short and Julia had this play. And so I read the script or the the play script and thought, okay, I, I could see potential for this as a film. And then met Julia and that was kind of it really. Like we just took it from there. And then we'd been developing the script uh, since 2017 through various labs and programs and stuff, um, and then got funding for it, like, in 2019. And so what it's about, it's a comedy-drama with a little sort of sprinkling of magical realism and sci-fi uh, about this woman who rips out her heart and gives it to this guy that she's fallen for. Um... Yeah, so it straddles a few genres and... Uh, what about
2: the story did you really catch on to that made you want to tell the story?
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of things I loved uh, about about the play um, and the story generally. So first off, I, I loved how the the story and the script poked fun of uh, like us as humans, our connection to technology and how we're so obsessed with our phones and apps and like we're much more comfortable liking and hashtagging than having like a real face-to-face conversation. So I loved how the play kind of poked fun of that and I could see the potential for the film to kind of really lean into that. Um, I love this idea like everyone's heart is an object and it kind of best symbolizes who you are as a person and your personality. And so, um, and I love this idea like you could rip it out and still stay alive. So this sort of, um, these ideas really appealed to me and, and who I am as a storyteller and worlds that are a little like a sidestep away from our real world but like mm. certain things are weird or certain things are different and so I love that sort of stuff generally and what I create and what I watch um and this whole notion of like you know giving your heart to someone and, and what that really means in day-to-day life within our own relationships and like have we done that and and you know what what that means in terms of like connecting with humans and yeah. um one you know um
2: like ones a physical representation yeah that, like a very emotional thing that you exactly have to do in real life.
1: exactly yeah. and how it's scary and yeah. that's like maybe why we're <laughs> a bit reluctant to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I like how it kind For of sure. touches upon that as well. Uh yeah.
2: Um at what point when you saw the play did you realize that, hey I could be the one to tell the story because like i guess for me like i i get inspired by stories a lot yeah. but then i always question like why me Like, why why do i feel like i am confident enough to tell the story mm-hmm.
1: so finally i hadn't even seen the play yeah. um i had just read the script of the of the theater production but i i just felt it was just one of those things like when you, and I I think this happens to me when I'm reading stuff generally, particularly like short stories or books or just absorbing material and, and, I'm, I'm, you know, if I, f- I can feel it deep down, if it's something that I'm excited by or wanna kind of pursue. Yeah. And I, it's hard to put my finger on it, but I'm sure like we all experience that when you just feel so connected to something mm-hmm. and that like, okay, you just, it sort of just sucks you in. And so I think that's what this play did to me mm-hmm. um, and, and the world and the hearts. And it was sort of, that's kind of where my head's at generally as a creator. So um, yeah, I, I kind of knew right off the bat, early on in reading that play script that I was like, yes, this this feels right let's yeah. let's pursue this
2: what was your favorite moment working on the film oh
1: i think my one of my favorite bits um working on the film was actually just working with the actors mm-hmm. like i going into this project i knew having done the shorts that i had done like i was a little bit i didn't feel fully comfortable working with actors not to not like how I wanted to feel yet. And I felt like insecure with like my language and what, I, what am I, how do I convey what I want in a like really concise and efficient way without being offensive. Yeah. And so I did a lot of work leading up to shooting this project um, in terms of like how I can best inform myself and, and like see how other directors do it, maybe learn from them. And so that I felt kind of more comfortable on the day.
2: What do you love most about working with actors? And is that your favorite part of your job which is directing I
1: think it's sort of becoming my favorite job before it was definitely the visuals and like um, you know, how the scenes, how it's going to look and the colours and the, and the framing, like, I really love that, but I think because I was so into that, it meant, like, I, I kind of shied away from, like, the really important stuff, which is, like, deal, working with the actors and, and I, I think, you know, and I do really st- feel very strongly about this like, you can have the best DP in the world, the best camera equipment, the most fantastic wardrobe, hair and makeup, but if the actors aren't, aren't if you're not getting the performance that you need, if the performances are lacking, then all that just falls away. I just loved, you know, it's it's sort of it's alive. You're working with actors and it's alive. You don't know what you're going to get and, and, and you can build on what you've got. And, but it's, there's the bit of unpredictability, which I like, and maybe some new lines come in or, or performances you didn't expect and maybe they, they didn't expect. And, you know, they're working with an, one another. So it's, it's just alive and dynamic. And I like that you can't quite predict what's going to happen. And so you have to be on your toes and, and it just, you know, you want to get the best out of everyone. So, you know, I, I like being able to kind of have those conversations about like, okay, well, let's give you the freedom to do what, what you think you can and want to do, I mean, we've got what we need and now let's try something else And right. so I just like playing around like that to the actors
2: um, Donna, like, what was how do you feel about that collaboration that you had with uh, Kim and how is it different from uh, some of the other projects that you may have worked on in the past
3: Right, well when I met Kim she's so lovely and she's so open to collaboration and, and really wanting to hear what you have to offer for the character and ready and willing to play. And I think that was the the, the main difference on some of the projects I've worked with in the past. They move really quickly. And um, with Love in a Major Organ, just kind of just let us do our thing, you know? And I felt like I I haven't had the opportunity or the time to really play in a role like that. And Kim gave me that opportunity and very happy with how Casey turned out because of the collaboration, (laughs) right? It was great. I think
1: one thing that was great as well, though, is that remember when we had that rehearsal day and so Donna had time with Anna who's the lead Mm -hmm. and I remember okay like I've got to get these two together. They're going to be, they're meant to be like best friends in the film. And and then, so we, I, I, I am grateful that we made that work and mm-hmm. you guys were open to exploring. Like we was just Im- improvising sort of scenes of these two best friends and it had nothing to do with the film. But you guys just took it and ran with it. And I remember, I think I was like popping in and out, but you guys like, you know, you're on the floor like drawing or something yeah. like this. So you just got stuck in. And I just love that. It well, was that just...
3: was that was Anna basically <laughs> yeah. too. She's lovely. And we were like improv- that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We click like that yeah. too. Yeah. It's just meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. She's an amazing actress and then also an amazing person. So yeah. Yeah.
2: do you find it like it's like a, a rare experience to be able to have that kind of like immediate like chemistry with with an actress or with that actor that you're performing with?
3: It is it is pretty rare. Yeah. Like I've been very lucky that it's happened often. Like yeah. I've made some great friends, but uh you really do have to cherish those moments cuz you really never know who you're going to work with. And they may not be <laughs> so terrible true. people. They're just you, just different vibes, you know? Yeah. Like me and Kim vibe really well. Mm-hmm. Me and Anna vibe really well. And it just it worked out wonderfully. So. I've, uh,
2: I've worked on Hallmark movies where the number one and two don't mesh. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you can, like, it, it's it, the, 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 uh, the chemistry on set and, and the energy on set um, ends up, like, being affected because of that. Um, so, yeah, I find, like, you know, the, the chemistry between the cast members, um, especially those who are, like, um, the, the key actors in the scene, um, is a huge, uh, it's very important. It <laughs> is important. <laughs> See,
3: because mm-hmm. you can be a great actor and work through the non-chemistry, mm-hmm. but it's just not as fun on set, yeah, you know? I know? It really isn't. Like, there are fantastic actors who may not like each other and can get through a project, and, and the project itself is great if you didn't learn about the... BTS, how mm-hmm. they thought of each other or behaved or whatnot, and you could like the project, but on set itself, it's just not as fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not as fun. Absolutely,
1: I have to say, Donna is like a consummate professional. Like she, <laughs> I felt like it was so easy.
3: It was. It was our first
1: thing together, and it was. I felt like you needed very little
4: direction.
3: <laughs> but the, cool. this is the thing, though, because the you've seen on the MoW. Um, filmmaking world things move so fast so I know I have very little takes so I'm like just I know where to put my face so I like how my face is and it's almost a little too much of that in this (laughs) Like, I'm just like, okay, this is what we do. And and Kim was like, do you want to play? I'm like, can I? Really? <laughs> really? And so, yeah, no, that's, it's great. That worked out for you too, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, God. Because, you know, I was saying about like, oh, I should, I should, you know, make an effort with the actors between every take and, and you know, oh, I should say something to Donna. But, geez, that last take was really good. I have nothing really <laughs> productive to say, but I don't want to say, oh, just again, because that's boring. But I found I, I was sort of struggling to be like, "Well, oh, that was a really great way you did. Aww. I kind of just... I'd love for you to just do that again, and we're just going to change your angle. And But I think I ended up just saying that without kind of getting creative with a, an adjustment or no, something. No,
3: I think the thing is, though, I honestly, I don't think you did that really. Oh, okay. I'm okay. pretty sure I, I was surprised because I had so much room to play and okay. you let me. But um, as an actor on the fast things and, like, not just the TV movies, the series, and where time is money and they're moving – if you don't, if you don't, nothing is said to you, like then it's good. Yeah. So you're just yeah. like, okay, I did a great job. Then yeah. Just pat on the back. Yeah. Let's go again. exactly. <laughs> there we
2: go. Do you feel like sometimes you kind of have to like direct yourself as an actor when you're on those like really fast moving shows?
3: Um, I th- I don't think it's uh really directing, just being really really prepped and open. Mm. Yeah. I I always trust the directors to be like, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, we're gonna make it so they like it and they're gonna be happy with it. So mm. yeah, no, I don't think I've ever had to really.
2: Yeah. Direct So, I guess, like, would you say there's, there was a, a, a huge difference with, like, working on those shows and on, um, with Love and Major Organ in the sense of, like, needing, uh, or, like, how present you were on set and how present you were in the scenes? Or was, or is it, like, not really that big of a difference?
3: Um, it's hard to say. I feel like the, the type of shows are very different, but you have to equally be as present in all of them, even if the, the genre is different you know i feel like if i if i'm not present in whatever it is whether it be like a rom-com or our funny indie or um like a horror if i'm not present it's just not good acting for me yeah so i'm always the same amount of present, just like with whatever flavor they need mm. usually so
2: yeah so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh, this next question is to you, both of you um what was uh, what's something that you guys learned about yourself that you didn't know before um before making this film?
3: Um, <laughs> okay, I actually related to Casey a little too much, maybe mm-hmm. um for those of you who've seen the film, you know, Casey's kind of you know obsessed with this app, a little obsessed with social media. and um <laughs> at the time we were shooting when Kim asked me, um, or when when I was cast and we were talking about it. And she's like, yeah, so Casey's a little, you know, um, obsessed with social media. Like, can you relate to that at all? And I was <laughs> like, I can actually relate to that a lot. So, and yeah. and just the way the story is written and, and, and how Casey was acting in the film. I was like, yeah, you know, I shouldn't relate to Casey this much, maybe. Um, it helped in the film, obviously. But, yeah, yeah I learned that maybe... I should be a little more present in life.
1: So what I learned about myself. So, okay, (laughs) this is going to sound silly, but I learned that I could direct a feature. I think going into this, which I I think, you know, most maybe if not all directors who have done a bunch of short films or done other things and then diving into their first feature, there's just so much insecurity about like, is this going to work? Oh, can I, you know, this is no longer, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. This is 90 minutes. Is this going to be any good? And uh, so, yeah, I know going into it, I was, of course, like every day just worried about like, can I do this? And so I think at the back end, I'm like, yes, I can. I made a film and I think I can do it again. Um, And I think I just learned that, you know, which I don't think I realized before going into it, and it kind of relates to what I was talking about with actors. I really love working with actors, and I didn't think I would, but I think (laughs) –
0: Fair. (laughs) You people.
1: (laughs) Fair. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess it's about choosing. I mean, you, you never know kind of, you know, what what actors are going to be like on and off set. You can only just gauge by the casting. But um, I thought I got on really well with all the actors and there were a lot of them at, on and off set. And, uh, and I just really enjoyed the process. I, I love the relationship. I love the collaboration. And I was super nervous about it going in and I didn't think it would be such a positive experience, mm. but it was. So that's one thing I kind of learned
2: through this process. Mm.
3: It's not always going to be now like that. Know, right? yeah.
2: <laughs> um, is there anything that the actors did that helped, like, made you feel more comfortable in that position?
1: Hmm. I think they were all just so open. You know, like, I would come and talk about another idea, and then they say, oh, yeah, sure. Like, it was never – there was never any resistance. There was always sort of willingness to try and then build on that idea which um, I'm really grateful for because I just, you know, filmmaking is just all about collaboration and it extends to the act, acting as well. So everyone was just up for it and even up for like doing a bit of improv, which I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, mm. but and I, we didn't do it all the time. But I just I, I just kind of love that unpredictability, which I was saying before, you, you know, just just throwing a little curveball in there and just sort of seeing what happens and it. It could work and you may use it or you may not. So um, I'm just grateful that like everyone was up for just giving it a go and trying yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and Donna like was there anything that you felt like eased the directors like stress at all and was there anything that you ended up doing for that
3: yeah I mean I, it's the people pleaser in me as well I mean I always I I become friends with directors as well and so I know that they're so stressed out so I'm always you know I'm like I could be a one take wonder if you need me to be like I'm I could do it whatever you need because just, I mean, as an actor, you have so much empathy for people, and putting myself in the place of the director and what you have to go through, like, oh my god, it's crazy. So, yeah, I'm always, I'm always wanting to be helpful, and I, I do check in too. Like, are you okay? Oh, like, really tired? Are you sleeping? Yeah. So, if they, if they yeah. want it, and if we're close enough, I do.
2: What do you want the audience to get out of the film?
3: So,
1: I don't, I don't really want to be super pres- prescriptive about it. I think before I was like, they must feel this. But now, but now I'm just like, you know, and I think with anything I make, uh, I just hope that people can find some connection to it. And even if, and just some reaction to it. So, so be it good or bad, but as long as there's not that middle ground of like, man, that was all right, you know, whatever. Like it's just so, so I don't mind if it polarizes people, but as long as there's some sort of reaction. Um, and you know, this film explores emotions and how we connect to our emotions and to others. So if, if, you know, if there's anything that, that they feel in relation to that, then, then I'm happy, you know, if they forces them to sort of look at their relations, relationships or how they use technology to communicate and connect or not connect, you know, just as long, I hope it makes people sort of think about those sort of things and, you know, how they, they communicate with one another.
2: Yeah. How about, how about you, Donna? Anything to
1: add?
3: Well, I mean, like the relation to Casey was pretty mm-hmm. shocking. Like in the role, I was like, "Oh my god, this is yeah, this is, <laughs> this, is not, this is not good." You know, um, and then you like
2: start re- reflecting. Exactly,
3: you start reflecting, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I maybe I shouldn't relate to Casey so much." Mm-hmm. And I and I think what I would like people to get out of it is the same thing I got out of It's like, hey, maybe you should be a little more present. Maybe. Like, if an app comes out to run your life, it's not such a great idea because you should think for yourself and you should have your own experiences and you should appreciate people in the present. So, yeah, Absolutely. that's what I think.
2: Um, Kim, uh, do you want to finish off with uh, once again telling the audience um, when uh, when the film is coming out on, uh, I guess, in theaters? And yeah.
0: Then... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out.
2: Um, I
1: think the best thing as well is like to, to watch this space. So we have like an Instagram page, Facebook page, a website. Um, it's all sort of, if you type in with love in a major organ, they'll find it or maybe it'll be connected to the link here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like all our news is. So we'll definitely be having a Canadian theatrical. So the major cities like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, and another one, I'm not too sure which one yet, um, in February, probably mid-February, and then a US theatrical uh, kind of early spring so I don't know the exact date yet, dates yet for everything, but yeah, it's going to be coming out soon.
2: Okay. Yay. Well, next year, 2024. Yes, 2024. Yeah. <laughs> on. All right. Well, thanks so much. You too. Yeah, yeah. thank, thank you. you. It's been, it's been great
1: to chat. Yeah. Thanks so much. Super fun.
2: I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. It was so fun talking to Kim and Donna because their chemistry with each other is palpable. You can't break the Filipino bubble of friendship. So something that may not be as known is that Whistler also have a variety of programs filmmakers can apply for. This year that includes the Saskatchewan Market Accelerator, the Doc Lab, the Producers Lab, the Screenwriters Lab, and what we will be talking about in this episode, the Indigenous Filmmaker Fellowship. I had the opportunity to talk to the lab facilitator for the IFF. Previous to this year, I had no idea what this program existed or what it consisted of. Here's Camille to talk a bit more about what the IFF is.
8: My name is Camille Baudouin. I'm an Indigenous filmmaker, Cree Metis in Mohawk, and uh, I'm the lab facilitator for the Indigenous Filmmaker Fellowship at Whistler.
2: What is the Indigenous Filmmaker Fun Ship?
8: It's, uh, it's a program that was launched by Whistler Film Festival, and it's uh, specifically designed to support Indigenous filmmakers that are emerging and up and coming in order to train them, get introduced to the industry, give them some networking opportunities with each other as well as with uh, professionals in the industry. And...
2: Could you talk a little bit more about like why you wanted to uh, run the program and be a part of it?
5: Yeah, I was
8: very honored to be asked to run the program. Um, I've been producing uh, scripted content, TV and film for 17 years. And Mm -hmm. the chance to give back and train other Indigenous filmmakers was like a really big deal for me and yeah, and I love it. I love working with all these talented, amazing people and yeah, it's a lot of fun, very rewarding.
2: So how has the reception been for the program from the participants and also from like some of the board members?
8: Honestly, the the support for the program is, is really great. People are, are very supportive. Um, the participants have all really enjoyed it, and I know that that's probably one of our, our best source for new participants is, is the previous ones, our alumni, uh, talking up the program and telling their friends to apply, which is great. Anytime I ask any professional in the industry to come and speak with our group, either online or in person at the festival, uh, I always get really positive responses. Everyone wants to help out, which is great.
2: I even got to interview some of the participants of IFF this year to see what they thought of their experience so far. And some of the answers led to some insightful information about grant applications and what it's like to live outside of BC.
6: Well, what's your name? Dallas Sunyas.
4: My name is Shaylin Pearson. I am originally from Haida Gwaii and I'm a member of the Skittigit Band.
9: Okay, hey, I'm Arnolda de Forbose and I am a writer. And I am from Treaty Six, from Saskatoon.
6: I'm, well, I'm registered uh, with the Chippewas of Nawash mm. in Ontario. Uh, I'm Anishnabe on that side, and I'm Nechiao on my father's side, uh, and we're from around Red Pheasant in Saskatchewan.
2: What have you gotten so far, and like, what what's your favorite part about the I- IFF program?
4: Um, so we did our intensive a few weeks ago, and it was it was so cool just to um, hear from so many different people in the industry, like they really kind of touched on all the bases. Um, And I think that we're all in different stages of our careers and also in different stages just with our projects. So it was, it was kind of cool that, you know, we got to hear about um, development funding and all the way to when you have a finished project, like needing to travel Mm -hmm. to festivals, like maybe getting funding for that. And also, um, to hear from the buyers for streamers and the different funding offices in Canada, it was just really cool. I feel wow. like they did a great job in touching on all the bases.
6: I, I like meeting these other filmmakers who are in similar situations as me uh, in the sense of we're normally, there Like, might be one Indigenous filmmaker person on a crew. Um, rarely is the person in charge Indigenous, and then they get to trickle that down it's nice to speak with other filmmakers who are in the same boat as me and for the most part everyone is more accomplished than me so i'm able to learn not only what is in the curriculum as it were but also nuances of just you 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 pick pieces of conversations out that people are having with each other you learn things yeah it's like a master class because instead of one person you you get the knowledge from all the filmmakers and all their different experiences. Um, Some are primarily writers, some like to direct, some are actors. Mm. And so you get this nice Venn diagram of learning kind of what, what it takes to be a filmmaker, specifically an indigenous filmmaker right now
2: can you talk a little bit about your project that made you want to apply and like I guess other reasons of why you wanted to apply
4: yeah of course so um my project is called northernmost it's about a young woman who graduates with a degree in journalism from big university has big plans for herself and they don't quite pan out she finds herself working as the co-host of a not very popular kind of tacky lowbrow true crime podcast and then when a young woman from the very rural community that she grew up in goes missing her and her co-host decide to travel back up Mm -hmm. to her hometown to cover the disappearance um turns out that she's not maybe the best person to be doing it because she did not really like that girl nor did she have any like favorable feelings towards her it kind of has a lot to do with who is the right person to be telling certain stories Mm -hmm. and um i think i really got drawn to that because i also act so Mm -hmm. um just seeing the way that indigenous representation has shifted over the years um yeah, it's, it's just been interesting to watch.
2: Um, what initiatives would you like to see to help other Indigenous storytellers?
6: Right. So the, I think that's, if you consider all of the nations, just in Canada, all the First Nations, the different nations, different filmmakers at different levels have very different needs. Um, mm. It's such a diverse, uh, well, it's a, a diverse question, um, so I think all that I can hope for is that companies, decision makers, um, continue to try to follow the the calls to action from the TRC. Uh, and if if companies are actually doing that, then I'm very happy with that. Uh, then it, the initiative is on um, young filmmakers to try to find these resources, because mm-hmm. uh, you got to be hungry. You can't yeah, just sure. have things given. Nonstop. It's it's about being ready for these opportunities. So when they do mm. come up, bang, you pounce on it.
2: Do you find that like finding these opportunities is difficult?
6: Um, that I can not answer specifically. I'm I'm pretty dyslexic, and mm. I have a couple other learning disabilities like dysgraphia, dyscalculia. They all kind of all ways of Western learning. I'm terrible at. So uh, I do know, for example, the Indigenous Screen Office. They have resources that will help you. Uh, apply for a grant to actually physically write the grant if that's the direction you want to go with. To do a proper grant application, it might take you a month if you really care about it. So it can be overwhelming more than yeah. trying to find a grant. It, it, getting a grant done properly, especially for someone like me who struggles with physical writing, yeah. it, that, that can be over overwhelming. But mm-hmm. the actual finding finding of grants, I'm not finding yeah. too too difficult for Yeah. Them.
2: Do you wish like someone like you could have some kind of like uh helper to be able to like write these grants for you or some kind of like I guess verbal system of like grant application, like something that might help people who maybe like dyslexic or right. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Well, um, on that specific topic, like I said, a lot of a lot of places do have funding in place for people who want to do a grant. Um, in the traditional sense, mm-hmm. a lot of the grants now, luckily, will say, hey, if you, if you need accommodations or if you want to do an application in a different way, go ahead and do that. And we won't penalize you for that. So, for example, last year, I wrote a grant application for a month and a half. It was tough. The application probably sucked. I probably made a bunch of errors that I just, it's, it's natural for me to do that. And I didn't get this grant. There was two other grants that came up later in the year and I spent two hours, one day on each grant doing a video application Mm. and I got those grants. So
2: that's great.
6: Yeah. I got super lucky. And that's kind of why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I I made a short film because of that. I was able to submit that as Mm. previous work that I had done for the uh, to apply for the IFF and that's because of those accommodations. That's kind of why I'm here.
2: That's really important for people to like know that these, these opportunities exist, like not just through the writing system, but like you can do other th- way, like have other ways of like applying. So that's, that's really great that they're doing that right now.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. I think you kind of have to be a bit tenacious about it though. <laughs> you have to like, okay, I'm, this writing, writing an enormous grant application, like running into a wall, like it's, it's tough. It's not going to get better. What else can i how else can i reach my goal how can i be adaptable okay try something else like a, a video application mm-hmm. you still have to have everything lined up yeah. like you still have to have all the information but it's a lot easier for some people mm-hmm. to speak than it is to to write
4: but honestly right. just programs like this that like put you in contact with all these really incredible resources and just are so informative and also so accessible like um i almost didn't even bother applying to this because like so many other um programs similar to this I've seen like you need quite a bit mm-hmm. you need to have directed like a feature or a short even which yeah. I think a lot of people haven't done I haven't done um so yeah just more programs that are accessible especially for other people in um or just people in other areas of the industry yeah.
2: Um, and yeah. especially for like people who are in like, like more like in the interior of um, uh, of BC or in Canada that like yeah, have less absolutely. access than what we do in Vancouver too. Right? Yeah, 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 totally.
4: Yeah,
9: I think it's just more getting the word out there. Um, the only way I uh, found out about applying for the IFF was through uh, Shailen Johnson, who was who I worked with through Tricksters and Writers. And she suggested I apply for this. And I've never heard of it before. I've Mm -hmm. never seen it. So I applied for it and I got in. So that's the only way it happened. So I think it's just getting the word out and helping to share with other writers, even those who don't have the, I don't, like I said, I'm an emerging screenwriter. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are shy of applying because they feel I don't have the experience or I don't have the education or, but if you're a storyteller, you are innately a creator, right? And that's what screenwriting is. It's creating, it's creating lives, creating characters, creating worlds, universes. So them knowing that it's okay, if you don't have that, as long as you have the courage enough just to apply. And that's, if I didn't have that encouragement, just apply, I don't know if I ever would have. And it's such a wonderful experience to know that there's programs out there that support us who are learning. But I think it's, how do other writers or other people get to know that those opportunities exist yeah. i think that's the most important part because i think there's a lot of amazing writers and storytellers out there who don't know that some of these opportunities are available to them
2: yeah absolutely yeah. um i think bridging that gap of like information yeah. is is something that a lot of people have been like trying to figure out how to do because there are a lot of different opportunities available for Canadian people, um, especially through the grant system. But it's just like, how are we able to access them? Like, how do we get people to know that they exist? Like you were saying. Um, And uh, that's something that we're hoping to help. Yeah, um,
9: I hope so. Because I know there's amazing (laughs) stories, especially in the prairies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm representing Saskatchewan. So it's like being able to gather those stories and those amazing storytellers across the prairies to say that... They may not have the background but you have the abilities so and that's what okay. these places are in place for right to yeah. help us grow absolutely. so and i'm absolutely honored to have the experience so
2: what would you uh, recommend for someone who might be interested in uh, the program next year
9: please apply
8: <laughs> <laughs> um, i think people are always nervous that they're not in the right point in their career or that their project isn't developed enough to apply but what we're really doing is um is focusing on the person not their project necessarily so we really want to find people that uh you know have the potential to do something great in our industry and uh you know you might have hardly any experience or you might have a little extra experience your project might be just in synopsis form like one paragraph that's fine just please apply (laughs) and keep applying if you don't get in apply again because yeah just depends on the year right And we we just want everyone to get the opportunity. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, every year is different. So we hope if someone doesn't get in the first year that they'll apply again. Because, yeah, there's always opportunities.
2: If the IFF seems interesting to you after those interviews, keep on the lookout around June because that should be when the applications should open up. Of course, you can follow our Instagram or the Whistler Film Festival Instagram to keep up to date as to when that happens. Finally, my favorite panels of this year included a view from the top, a distribution panel, and an indigenous podcasting panel. So with the view from the top panel, CAA agent Stephen Brown, Kyle Irving from Eagle Vision, and Brad Danks from OutTV talked about the state of the industry so far. Here's Kyle Irving discussing the acceptance of BIPOC stories and films in our current industry.
7: It's easier for us to tell those stories now because the market is starting to realize that those communities have so much to offer when it comes to storytelling, and audiences want something new so it's opened up a whole new world of different points of view and perspectives and 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 it's allowed us to change the way that that bias and stereotypes and history that was written not to be true but to be the way that you know the overriding authority wanted it to be for all of those things to be revealed to be opened up to be talked about and to be shared from a different perspective and There's no way that's going to stop. Like, let's go more and more and more and more.
2: I learned, amongst other things, that studying Nordic and European film industries will help us understand what the Canadian film industry could be capable of. And unless we can be in the top positions distributing in our industry, we don't really have an industry. Our IP needs to have Canadian ownership. It was also interesting to hear Stephen talk about how social media hasn't really ruined our industry yet, but there's a high possibility that that's coming. In the distribution panel with Neon, Elevation and Vortex media representatives. I learned that oftentimes there isn't one way to distribute a film. And even major distribution companies have to adapt to several factors, including what the film needs and what's happening in the world. With Elevation being the largest Canadian distributor this year, their model is to build relationships with filmmakers so that they can keep Canadian IP in Canada. Here's Sarah Timlick from Elevation talking about the current box office trends. She was joined by Kristen Figueroid from Neon and Matt Orenstein from Vortex.
9: Obviously, you mentioned admission prices have gone up, so you really have to be selective when you're making your choice to see what you want in theaters. But we're starting to see that resurgence of audiences wanting to see drama in cinemas and to see very serious stories, and that's a really good thing for a business. I think with The Strike too, now it's over, But it's an important time period where independent film is going to make this massive comeback. And I think we're starting to see that correlation.
2: In the Indigenous podcasting panel, I found Chantel Belrichard's comment about extractive storytelling really interesting. Extractive storytelling, from my understanding of it, is taking someone else's story and oftentimes trauma to use in your work, especially when it comes to journalism and reporting it's important to ensure that the folks whose story we share feel like they are part of the process and consent is held all the way through. Panelists Kim Wheeler and Chantelle Belrichard went into detail with their own experiences and how through trials and tribulations have learned more ethical ways of podcasting. Here's Chantelle talking about her mindset in reporting difficult stories.
7: Why you're asking a person to open up that space? Are they comfortable? You know, I think sometimes um, assessing we're not social workers or psychologists, but just um, trying to be as incredibly transparent about how I intend to use this information, how much space it might be getting because people can, and also trying to judge in real time because sometimes when you open that spout for people, they haven't had a lot of people listen or, or the opportunity to talk about a particularly terrible thing in their life, right? Because they don't want to be like the downer at a dinner or something. And also trying to assess when that person maybe opened it up too much to be like, hey, like, thank you so much. And like, also, like, we can stop at any time here. And just, I think, throughout constantly revisiting consent and checking in with people in ways that I'm not a professional, but trying to walk in that space with them with a lot of care. And then I think following up with people is incredibly important.
2: Other panels included animation, co-producing with Switzerland, which included a breakfast, and an episodic masterclass with Jordan Wheeler. One of the IFF participants, Arnolda, participated in the masterclass and had this to say.
9: So far, well, I've only been able to attend uh, Jordan's uh, masterclass, Jordan Wheeler, Mm -hmm. and it was absolutely wonderful. Just being in the room with other creatives. Um, I'm a writer, so I normally work alone in my office. So learning to work with other writers, having that experience was... I like It was eye-opening to me. I've never had that experience before, and it was mm. beautiful because we were able... It was almost like a rolling wave, just mm. being able to work off each other's ideas and go forward with the story, and I've never had that experience before being a fictional and nonfiction writer. Mm. Um, working all alone in my office, I've never shared my ideas with other people mm. as I'm writing it, so it was beautiful just to see how... It just unfolds and blossoms as a story. Yeah, so our energy at the table, okay. just playing off one another. When you're in your office by yourself, it's me, my ideas. I've got post-it notes. I've got, you know, big billboards and papers. And I'm I'm just running off of my train of thought mm. and my ideas. When we are at the table, having so many other voices, so many ideas, like working at a level where everyone else has such bigger ideas than your own it's so wonderful to hear and it's just like like i said to me i just seen it as a wave yeah you know i see something a ripple someone else has something that's bigger and bigger and it gets better so it was just such a great opportunity to learn that
2: so. that sounds like a really great workshop um like structure yeah that allows like the, the participants to work off of each other that way
9: yeah no it was that's
2: great I also enjoyed the MPPIA and Power Pitch competitions because it's always a great opportunity to watch and learn how other people pitch a film. All this to say that the Whistler Film Festival is one of my favorite BC film festivals because of its wide variety of industry activities and its impact on BC filmmakers. So, that's it for this episode. Please let us know if you enjoyed it. Contact us on Instagram or like us on Apple Music. Comment on our poll on Spotify or whichever platform you are using to listen to our podcast. If we hear that you guys like this episode, we'll make more. As for our podcast, we are planning for another season, but we're currently looking for funding. So if you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us by buying our film industry calendar or contacting us at bipoc.credits.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for the support, and have a very happy holidays.
5: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.